You are now tuned in to Saved and Woke. Yes, I am. You are now tuned in to Saved and Woke, where Christ and consciousness go hand in hand. It's your boy, MSW. That's Mr. Saved and Woke, also known as Juan Enrique Toussaint. And this is your girl, D-double-E on the M-I-C, best known as DeAndre Jenkins. So, last episode, we talked about the tension that arises from being saved and woke in strictly progressive spaces. And today, we're going to talk about The same sort of awkwardness that comes from being saved and woke in strictly Christian spaces. Mm -hmm. But before we really get into it, I want to make something very clear. The purpose of this episode is not to bash Christians or the church. Yeah, I most definitely agree. So basically, me and Juan, we just see some things in the body of Christ that are troubling us. And we just want to shed light on it so that we can come together and fix it. Exactly. So this is genuinely to provide some constructive criticism on what we've seen in the church that is not Christ-like so that it can be fixed, not simply to shame believers because that's not how the spirit works. He brings conviction, not condemnation. And the word says in Galatians 6 and 1, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, in any fault, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So again, not condemnation, but restoration. Can I get an amen? Amen. So Dee, clearly you have some feelings about all this. Oh yes, yes I do. So could you tell us about a time when you felt like your social consciousness was at odds with your Christianity? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I'll be more than happy to do so. So uh, let, me, let me break down the story for you guys. So I was attending a conference uh, at a church, um, a local church for youth and young adults, where the speaker, who, by the way, was from the UK, um, he basically made a statement regarding mass incarceration, regarding the mass incarceration of black men. So he basically stated that it was not a race issue, that it was a fatherless issue. Well, he said what? Yeah, right. Like that, so, the same so, face that you got right now. That's kind of like how I was. So, how did you feel about that? <laughs> um. So, it just it 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 took me aback. But uh, I'm, I have to really break break down to you, like just everything that happened in full detail. Detail. So, like up until this point, I had been listening with my head down, but when he said. That particular statement, my head just popped up immediately. And I was like, wait, did I hear that right? (laughs) And then, you know, when it processed in my mind, I was like, yo, this dude really doesn't have a clue. And unfortunately, because he made that statement, I tuned out the rest of his message and just ended up texting my friends who weren't even at the conference. Uh, That's how, that's that's just how heated I was about the whole thing. I and feel you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm quite sure his intentions were pure and his message was meaningful, but his lack of knowledge about the perpetuation of the cycle 
a mass incarceration of the of black males just really threw me for a loop. I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, but deep. Like, really. So what's the problem, though? Because, I mean, a lot of black children do grow up without their fathers in the home. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, that, that, that may be true. <laughs> but then that begs the question, where are the fathers? Why are these kids growing up fatherless? And so the answer is because black men, especially black fathers, have always been major targets of racial oppression. Because racists know, or white supremacists, if you will, that having a father at home promotes strength and unity. And the last thing a racist wants is a strong black man raising strong children and building a strong community. So they invest ways, they, they actually invent ways, rather, of um, just, you know, how to get, you know, the black male out of the picture. And during child slavery, they just killed him or sold him to another plantation during the Jim Crow era, they lynched him. Now they label him as a felon and send him to prison. I need a moment of silence in honor of the knowledge you just dropped just then. Okay, and we back. So, <laughs> wow. I mean, is there any experiences that you have in relation to this subject? Because, you know... You seem pretty shocked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, yes. All right. Do, do tell. All right. So, my, well, this is the one that I kind of think of a lot when I think of that one moment that kind of characterizes the tension between social consciousness and being a believer or the tension that people create. Um, so, one day I was with a group of my safe friends around the time when Mike, Gr Mike Brown was just shot. And there were a lot of demonstrations going on. And someone made the comment along the lines of, well, yeah, police brutality is wrong, but we can't get on them for killing us if we're killing us too. <laughs> exactly. Y'all can't see Dee's face right now, but she just slapped it. <laughs> so after that, the whole conversation switched from talking about police brutality to talking about this really strange thing they kept calling black on black crime. What? Black on black crime though? Yeah, weird, right? So I responded by saying, and you know, I admit I may have come off a little strong when I said this, but I still stand by my statement that there is no such thing as quote unquote black on black crime. Well, oh my gosh, please elaborate on this for me, if you will. <laughs> I'd love to, D. <clears throat> so, please don't misunderstand me. When I say black on black crime doesn't exist, I'm not saying that black people have never been robbed, assaulted, or criminalized in any way by other black people, because, you know, they definitely have. Um, however, that's the case for all racial groups simply because most crimes are a matter of opportunity and convenience, meaning that you're most likely to criminalize someone that lives near you, someone that you probably even know. And given that Americans tend to live around people of the same race, yeah. I mean, it should really come as no surprise that the majority of black people are criminalized by other black people, their neighbors. True that. True that. Um, and the problem is that the media never talks about 
white on white crime or any other intra-racial crime. True. Um, True. Instead, they sensationalize crime in black communities mm-hmm. in order to make black people seem like they are dangerous even to themselves. Yeah. And, and this is key, it's worth noting that no one ever seems to care about black on black crime until you start trying to solve police brutality. That is the truth. <laughs> like black on black crime was all lives matter before all lives matter because you never see an all lives matter post a protest, excuse me, when people are, are being killed. And I posted about this on Instagram as well. Just you only see black um all lives matter when they want people to stop saying black lives matter. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And in the same right. way, people only talk about black on black crime to get you to stop talking about police brutality. Of course. And if y'all still ain't with me, numbers don't lie. So here you go. Um, there was a Huffington Post article actually a couple of years ago with these statistics. It said that 84% of white people killed every year are killed by other whites. In 2011, there were more cases. There were more cases of whites killing whites than there were of blacks killing blacks. And between 1980 to 2008, 53.3%, that's the majority, y'all, of gang-related murders were committed by white people. And with a majority of homicide victims in general also being white as well. Hmm. Well, all those facts, you know, the numbers and stuff you spit, you know, that made sense to me, but seemed like your friends didn't get it. No, like, they did not. My Christian friends did not get it at all. Um didn't even seem like they were really trying to listen because I gave a pretty lengthy explanation and things just changed from a friendly conversation to them pretty much yelling at me and berating me for even suggesting such a thing. Wow. So I'm going to put my counselor hat on for a minute. So how did that make you feel? Let me sit back on this metaphorical couch. (laughs) So Dr. D. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, really, I was I was shocked. I really was shocked um, because the way they were talking to me. One, they were not talking to me like my friends. That was the first thing. I was like, yo, these are different people talking to me all of a sudden. And then, of course, later on, I was like, that was not a spirit filled conversation. That was not very, quote unquote, Christian of you. I, I bet. Um, I bet. And so I'm like. <clears throat> Especially like Christians who are supposed to love their neighbors. Christians are supposed to love strangers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But my friends who are Christians couldn't even bring themselves to even consider, like, listen to me, their friend. Right, right, right. Um, and it was just weird because I call these people my brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, that's not something I just throw around. I don't say that very lightly. Um, it's not just because, you know, we as believers are just automatically brothers and sisters in Christ, but because these particular people that I was having that conversation with, we have really grown close and grown mm-hmm. spiritually alongside one another. Yeah, yeah. But that conversation did not end with me feeling like I was with my family, yeah, yeah. Um, which is a problem in and of itself, because as Christians, we're supposed to love our neighbors. But mm-hmm. in that moment, like I said, they weren't even showing me their friend any sort of kindness. And that's really like the main tension I have with our experience with you know being saved in the world hmm. unfortunate 
So, Indeed. you know, <laughs> based off of, you know, everything that, you know, you just said, like, they clearly, clearly are not woke. Nah. <laughs> and, you know, it also may be fair to say that it seems like at some point that they weren't as, quote unquote, saved as they proclaimed themselves to be in the first place. Yeah, and that's the thing, because, like, if they were saved, and they are, then I feel like the spirit should be leading them into all truth. Um, the spirit should be leading them into social consciousness, should be leading all Christians into social consciousness and social awareness. Um, just awareness of the truth of what's going on around them. But, I mean, the thing about it is, like, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to force yes, you to do anything that you don't want to do. That's true. And we must re also remember, saints, that everything we get from the Holy Spirit is not always a direct download from the pearly gates. God often uses people to deliver messages, like when you're talking on the phone or chilling with a friend at a coffee shop or perhaps even listening to a podcast. So be open to what God has for you. That's all we, that's all we ask. So um, basically, you know, the purpose of this episode is to just basically explain that um, being saved and being woke don't have to be mutually exclusive. They can go yes. hand in hand, you know, um, because that's a lot of the things that we run into um, us saved and woke folk <laughs> is, you know, we, we run into people that are either, you know, super churchy or too saved or just too much on the woke tip. You know what I mean? Just, you know, just way on the other end of the spectrum. On the deep end. Yeah. <laughs> like in the abyss. <laughs> so, um, you know, again, you know, this episode was about, you know, being saved and woke in strictly Christian spaces. Yeah. And this is pretty much the theme for the rest of the podcast. No matter what the topic is, it's going to be kind of just walking you along those lines of being saved and woke and really showing to you that Christ and consciousness do go hand in hand. Oh yeah. Most, so. most definitely. Most definitely. So yeah. So definitely share this podcast with your friends who can relate and with those who may not relate, <laughs> you know, feel free to use us to have all those awkward conversations with your unsaved or unwoke friends Yes, <laughs> and let us know what you think on the social medias. Hit us up y'all. You can keep up with us on Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Underscore Saved and Woke. That's Mr. Underscore S-A-V-E-D-A-N-D Woke. <laughs> and you can also hit me up at AfroSoul underscore D. That's A-F-R-O-S-O-U-L underscore D-E-E. -E. And a big shout out and thanks to Dope Cause We Said Entertainment and... If you're wondering who I got my beat from, you already know. It's, it's a, a street, street box, box beat. beat. <laughs>